Hey y'all. So when it comes to bodies, weight loss is not really something that I'm pursuing right now. But as you know, one of Vanessa's family members has been taking a GLP-1 medication and it's worked really well for him. So if that is part of your journey, you should check out the Roe Body Program. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Roe's partner handles all the insurance paperwork to help get the medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. Go to ro.co slash infamous. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash infamous. Campsite Media. This episode contains descriptions of violence that may be disturbing for some listeners. One of the wildest nights in spring break history. Folks, I gotta get ready. It's time for Girls Gone Wild. Spring Break, live. Here's something I didn't tell you before from Panama City Beach in 2002. Remember when I was kicked out of the Holiday Inn with Joe Francis? Joe was arrested. I was told to leave. And I schlepped my roller bag over to the shooter's condo, where they stayed up drinking all night and I crashed on a couch. The next day, Joe got sprung. We met on an airstrip in front of his idling private plane. I was like, is there a box to check for a plane? Yeah. As soon as he got out of jail, he wanted his pilot to get his Gulfstream ready so we could get the hell out of Panama City. We were on our way to another spring break spot, South Padre Island, Texas. Now, I am going to spare you what happened in South Padre, because it was the exact same shit as before. The shooters, the flashing, the flirting. But I am going to tell you what happened on the plane. Joe told the pilot to go straight up as far as he could go, and then let the plane do a huge arc a free fall. He wanted to do zero gravity. It's something the pilots have known about forever. By dropping your plane, you can cheat gravity, at least for a few minutes, even though there is a bit of a cost to it. They call these planes the vomit comets. <laughs> no one threw up on Joe's plane, but we all started detaching. And then we were flying around the cabin like astronauts and straight down the center aisle there was Joe. He was coming straight at me, doing a somersault. He was weightless. He was free. He was working totally against the laws of gravity. <laughs> From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Vanessa Gregoriadis, and this is Infamous. We're on our final episode of our five-part series, Boy Gone Wild. Stay tuned afterward for a special episode. Okay, back to Joe. When I think about the 2000s, at least in terms of pop culture, I think about Joe doing that free-fall somersault on the plane and what he said afterwards. 
He said, I mean, he yelled this. I'm so amped. I'm so amped. And back then, everyone was just so amped all the time. The early 2000s were about big. They were about raunch. They were about the birth of reality shows. I love the Jersey Shore! I love Guido! But as crazy as this is to contemplate, there was also this really serious Puritan streak to what was going on. The raunch era was also about how raunch was sort of not okay. About how taking your top off for Girls Gone Wild might be the height of feeling good at that exact moment, but it was something that you should later feel pretty ashamed of. Like, listen to this clip from Jersey Shore. Michael, go upstairs to your whores and have fun. Angelina is mad because Mike, remember him, the situation, has brought girls back after a night out. So she insults the girls. There's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. I don't, I mean, if a girl's a slut, I mean, she should be abused. This double standard, this mixed message, was everywhere back then. And it extended to me too. I said earlier that there was this idea back then of two classes of women. The women who were exploited, who generally had very light bank accounts, and the women who exploited them, who went to college got a good education, made their living producing or analyzing or having something to do with pop culture. I told myself I was an analyst of all this stuff. And in some ways, I was. But in my haste to become successful myself, to become a female Hunter Thompson who got into the seamy side of culture, I did a lot of stuff that I feel pretty weird about today. I want to say one thing about when that Rolling Stone editor took me out to lunch. A-level restaurant, very like northern Italy, like more like Milan than, than Naples. And I guess we talked about whatever might interest Rolling Stones, you know, young, male, perverted readers. Talking over spaghetti and Pinot Noir, it wasn't totally out of left field that he wanted me to cover groupies. I had already reported on groupies for the band Poison, Okay, I know that sounds insane. It's a very old band, but they were having a revival. And on another reporting stunt, I had also lived for 24 hours in the first Cam dorm in Tampa. I didn't take my clothes off. The owner of the dorm let me shower in the shower that wasn't wired for video. But I still slept there. Like, they gave me my own bedroom. I was in a bed that had cameras trained on it, with like 4,000 people watching as I tossed and turned. I was in my early 20s, and I was experimenting with everything, and I told myself I didn't really care. But wasn't I also being exploited in some way? Wasn't I also being told that my writing was only valuable if it leveraged my status as a young woman? I could say more about that, but, you know exploitation when you're also being paid to write articles that you choose to write is tough. And in general, this era, the raunch era, was almost like a bat of an eyelash. It was post 9-11, running up to a few years before Obama. By then, gravity was pulling all of us back to Earth. More about that after the break. 
Back in the 90s, Pepsi and Coca-Cola were in a heated race to try and win loyal customers by any means necessary. But when Pepsi launched an ambitious promotion that encouraged people to buy Pepsi and redeem points for prizes, they overlooked their own fine print in a major way. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question. Who thought this was a good idea? Like, who at Pepsi thought it would be a good idea to advertise that people could earn enough points to redeem a military jet as a prize? When they launched their Pepsi points system, they never imagined somebody might actually try to snag it. But a 23-year-old did. And suddenly, Pepsi owed him a jet. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I've always struggled with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com infamous. That's rocketmoney.com infamous. rocketmoney.com infamous. You're listening to Infamous from Campside Media. So, by about 2008, the raunch era had definitively come to a close. It was slammed back to earth by gravity. All of us who worked in the space of pop culture and sex in one capacity or another had a problem. A big problem. The internet is really, really great. For porn. There are millions of people, an estimated about 40 million Americans, who surf pornography online. These days, porn stars are available 24-7 on the internet. Porn was suddenly available everywhere for free. And no one cared what you had to say analyzing it. I was getting pretty sick of writing about sex, so I was happy to move on. But it was an enormous problem for Joe Francis. He was still out there talking up a storm, being the big porn impresario. But the shtick was getting old. Here he is talking about a sort of weird incident. Stick with me for a second. The governor of New York at the time, Elliot Spitzer, had been caught with a sex worker, Ashley Dupree. And somehow, it was alleged that Ashley had been on the Girls Gone Wild tapes when she was underage. I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, Elliot Spitzer gets to have sex with her for four grand and, and I gotta pay 10 million because we shot some naked pictures. It makes absolutely no <laughs> sense whatsoever. You know, her birthday's coming up. Are you gonna buy her anything? I'm actually gonna send her a nice uh, assortment of cupcakes with a thank you card for suing me and getting me this press for our Girls Go Wild magazine. Mm. Oh, Get the I cream mean. filling, they're fantastic. <laughs> I'm sure she's had plenty of the cream. Oh. <laughs> Oh, terrible. 
This guy spent 11 months in jail and pled no contest to child abuse. And he's on national TV making jokes about a woman his company had filmed when she was underage. It's sort of mind-boggling. And if you listen to other stuff from this time, he's still making the same argument about how he deserves to do what he's doing because the rights are in the Constitution. Here's a promotional video that he made. His hair is sort of long, flopping over his ears, and he has a very serious look on his face. Girls Gone Wild has always been about free expression, which is a right guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. As he talks, it's impossible to miss the gigantic American flag hanging behind him. I've learned the hard way that you can't take your free speech rights for granted. I will never stop fighting for free expression and our right to read, hear, or view whatever we choose. Now, in America, we believe in second chances. And Joe could have had one. He had a good deal of public support in the late 2000s. I mean, you just heard those TV hosts cackling about cream filling. Not everyone wholeheartedly sympathized with girls who had posed for Girls Gone Wild, at least the ones of age. Here's a take from David Angier, the reporter. I hate the the idea that these women had to go through that. The, The worst mistake in their life was now lingering with them. And it was out there for people to see. And you can sympathize with somebody that young making that kind of mistake. But there's another part of you that says, well, what did you expect was going to happen? I mean, the camera was right there and you're undressing and getting into bed or a shower with another woman. What did you think was going to happen? So you can sympathize with the terrible decision-making, but it's hard to understand how they got themselves there in the first place. So Joe had the advantage of a bit of the benefit of the doubt. Plus, at this point, he was almost like a visionary. I mean, he had changed the culture so much that the culture had basically rendered him obsolete. Women were willing to be filmed all over the place now. I mean, the internet was awash in nudes. Eight years after those four women sued Girls Gone Wild for filming them when they were minors, they're in court to settle a civil suit on the matter. The Chateau Motel case. I imagine Joe sitting at the bench, jiggling his knees. He's waiting for the court to start. He doesn't have a lawyer by his side, though. He's serving as his own lawyer in front of an all-female jury. Obviously, there were no daddies on the jury, no men to feel protective of these girls. The girls said that they had been coerced into their their participation in Girls Gone Wild. And since then, the damage to their lives had been significant, that some had attempted suicide and there were financial ramifications and that things had just spiraled out of control for them ever since that decision. In this case, it wasn't really Joe who was on trial. It was the women. At one point, Joe tried to bring up that one of these women had gone on to do porn. The judge ruled that irrelevant. At another point, Joe asked one of the plaintiffs if she was a prostitute. She'd accepted $50 from him after he allegedly forced her to masturbate him in the hotel room. This pretty much sums up how a lot of people thought about consent at the time. Like, It's the girl's fault if something bad happens to her, if she put herself in a bad situation. 
Never mind if she's underage, too drunk to consent. She saw the cameras. She was in a seedy bar during spring break. What did she expect? The onus is on the woman to always make the right decision. It's never on men not to abuse her. And that kind of thinking, that what men do to women is always the women's fault, is a hop, skip, and a jump from thinking that a girl who wears a revealing outfit is asking for it. Maybe it's not surprising that Joe actually won this civil case, even with an all-female jury. He didn't pay those girls a dime. The plaintiffs were asking for more than $100 million in uh, damages and punitive costs, and uh, they ended up with zero. When I talked to the jurors, they did not believe that the girls should be enriched for um, what they saw as voluntary participation in the Girls Gone Wild videos. All that stuff was just about teenage girls. Who cared about them? The thing that actually got Joe in trouble, it's not with girls. So, you know, it actually matters. The man who made his multi-millions with these raunchy spring break videos allegedly racked up a seven-figure gambling debt at one of Wynn's casinos. Billionaire Steve Wynn. I mean, gangster. But, you know, I mean that colloquially. He's not a criminal, only a baller. He's the father of Las Vegas. Francis publicly accused Wynn of deceptive practices at his casinos. Okay, this is very simple. Joe went to gamble at Wynn's casino. He lost $2 million, and he wouldn't pay it. A normal person would pay. That's how casinos work. You lose, you settle the debt. But not Joe. Joe alleged that when he started to do well, he was plied with wine from Steve Wynn's private wine cellar to keep gambling. According to the Las Vegas Sun, Joe said he met sex workers who said they were Steve Wynn's personal gift to you. But Wynn sued Joe for defamation. Showdown in Sin City. That was just the first in a string of lawsuits between the two men, with a lot of high drama. Joe alleged in a countersuit that Wynn had emailed music producer Quincy Jones saying Joe should be concerned for his life for dipping out on his tab. Remember, Quincy lived across the street from Joe in Bel Air. He was going to hit me in the back of the head with a shovel and bury me in the desert. I was afraid for my life. He made it very clear that he wanted to kill me. But Steve Wynn wasn't having it. I certainly never sent any email threatening to kill Mr. Francis. The dispute deepened. Hollywood's most buzzed about trial. On one side, Steve Wynn, the Las Vegas hotel and casino magnet. On the other, Girls Gone Wild founder Joe Francis. Francis says Wynn threatened to kill him in an email. Wynn not only says that's false, he's suing Francis for defamation. This time, Joe lost. $1 million, $10 million, $3 million. The verdict read like a ringing bell at the end of a heavyweight fight. Steve Wynn, the Vegas billionaire, has emerged from the latest round not only victorious, but $20 million richer after duking it out in a defamation lawsuit against Girls Gone Wild creator Joe Francis. It's hard to believe that anybody sitting in that room could come to any other conclusion than Joe Francis is a liar that Joe Francis is a desperate, out-of-control, vicious guy. 
Joe was ordered to pay Wynn $20 million. Several months later, his business filed for bankruptcy. Joe Francis founded the smutty and very successful Girls Gone Wild Empire, which just filed for bankruptcy because Vegas big dog Steve Wynn, one of the 500 richest men on our planet, wants his money. And when Joe's house in Bel Air went up for grabs, guess who got it? Steve Wynn. More after the break. Anybody who has a sibling knows that sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope, on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince Harry and Prince William. They'd been each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wandry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds. And they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle? Or was it something that began much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. You're listening to Infamous from Campside Media. So I said a lot about the culture and how everybody was exploiting everyone. And then you heard about the ridiculous war between Steve Wynn and Joe Francis. At this point, maybe you even feel a little bad for Joe Francis. Sort of like Bubba the Love Sponge did. I mean, Joe, you got so much money and you got so much going for you, but you're always getting into all kinds of problems. You might think, hey, I haven't heard Joe Francis in a while, in the media or on the radio, anyplace else. This sounds like an old story. But I called up someone in L.A. who said it's actually an ongoing story. My name is Christina Carlozzi. I'm recently retired from LAPD. She was a detective on the west side of L.A. I was working domestic violence table, which could encompass criminal threats, batteries, online threats, things like that. So my boss came to me and said, I have a case for you. She said, oh, this, this guy, do you know his name? Joe Francis. Christina had never heard of him. She said, well, he's kind of a high-profile person in West Los Angeles and Hollywood. So she goes, just be careful. You know, you need to do everything right with this investigation. And then her boss told her what the case was. It's a battery with three girls. Now, battery is kind of like a more serious version of assault. It's an act that inflicts real harm. So Christina reached out to one of the victims. She said she'd gone out with two of her girlfriends, who were sisters. They wanted to go out to Hollywood to a club. 
and they were not girls that go to Hollywood. They're really good girls. And that's when one of the girls was approached by Joe Francis. She's an introvert. She wasn't somebody who was out there like dancing and doing crazy things. She was just kind of staying close to her sister on the side. And, and I think that's why maybe he approached her because she wasn't like a regular Hollywood girl. They decided to leave the club, but they say Joe appeared again outside. And then he shows up to the valet in his black SUV Cadillac. And he said, hey, you guys need a ride. And they said, oh no, we, our car's parked two blocks away from the club. And one of the girls, the one that was the smallest, he grabbed her arm and kind of pushed her into the Cadillac. To be clear, this is Christina's account of events, and Joe has denied much of this story. So the other two girls said, hey, what are you doing? We're just, we're gonna go around the corner. We don't need, we don't need a ride, two blocks. The door started to shut, so then that's when they stopped it and they got in. They're like, okay, we're not gonna let her go. We don't know what's happening. The Cadillac takes off and they start to go down Hollywood Boulevard and going in an opposite direction of where their vehicle was. And that's when one of the girls said, hey, you know, we're not, we're not, what are you doing? We need to get out. And then he said, well, don't you know who I am? I mean, they're 21, 22. I mean, they weren't even, I don't even think they were born when his whole enterprise came about. I mean, he was 40 something at that time, 42. They're like, no, we don't know who you are. And that's when they were really scared. She didn't know if they were gonna end up, you know, in the hills somewhere and murdered. So she called 911, I think it was approximately 14 times. And because of the area, it didn't go through. They ended up through these gates and that's when the Cadillac stopped. And one of them was trying to get out and the door was locked and they couldn't actually even get out even though they were in the front of his driveway. And he says, well, I'll call you a taxi, come inside. I, I want to show you my house, and I want to show you I have a bunch of really cool Lamborghinis or something. There's a lot of dispute about what you just heard, plus what happened from here. Joe said that one of the girls did indeed have cell phone service at his house, that other people were present, and that they could have left any time. But here's what Christina alleges ultimately happened. All of a sudden, Joe comes out of nowhere and just grabs the main battery victim by the back of her head, her hair, and slams her head four times down on the tile, just telling her to like, just shut up. And she's just yelling to stop. She's screaming at this point. He's just banging her head on the, on the floor. He lets go and then the other girls come out. She's just stunned. She did not see it coming. He came behind her. He said, get out, all of you get out. You know, I call the taxi, he's coming. She tries to call 911 in between this, which it did pick up and then it dropped again. So then this taxi shows up within a few minutes and then they get in the taxi. And then that's when Joe comes out of his house, you know, comes down the driveway and says, don't you call the police. Don't you do anything. Don't call the police. I own LAPD. The taxi takes off. She's still trying to call 911. And I actually went through once they got down the hill from Bel Air, it picked up on somewhere near Hollywood Boulevard. What's your emergency? She said, I need LAPD, I need the police to come to my car. I think it's parked on Coenga Boulevard. The police show up at her vehicle. The officer is like, you need to go to the hospital. You all need to go to the hospital. She didn't know if she was gonna live or not or have internal bleeding. She was very scared. 
After what happened with those women, Joe was charged with assault and false imprisonment, even though he denied the allegations. But that spring, the case went to trial in Los Angeles. And when the verdict came down, Joe lost it. A day after the conviction, he gave a video interview to The Hollywood Reporter. Just because a jury is mentally retarded and jealous, you know, that jury should be shot dead by a firing squad. Lovely. Joe had been found guilty of three counts of false imprisonment, one of dissuading a witness from reporting, and one of assault. And now he was going to be sentenced. We said, okay, well, he's got to show up for his hearing. And he never, he never showed up. He fled to Mexico. That's right. Joe ducked out of jail time and the money he owed Steve Wynn, and he went to Mexico. So then we had to put a warrant in the system. The warrant was 500000 for his arrest. After that, we never heard from the lawyer nothing. He's just out of pocket, left. The warrant is under seal. I don't think anybody knows that he has a warrant out. I really don't. He is still a wanted person. This just doesn't go away. When you have a warrant, it just doesn't fade into nowhere. And Christina says it could have consequences for Joe if he comes back to the U.S. He can come to the U.S., but if he's driving a vehicle and he's speeding and an officer pulls him over, if you run someone's name, the warrant pops up and they can take him. Christina is confident that that will happen eventually. He'll, he'll be stopped one day because he does not obey the rules and he is going to be caught one day. I just, I know it. It's just a matter of time. Stories continue to surface about his alleged mistreatment of women. Last year, in a show about Joe on TNT, a woman named Janelle alleged that he raped her after she was filmed for Girls Gone Wild. She claims that he and his cameraman took her into a small bedroom with a double bed, purple sheets. She alleges the cabinets were filled with lube, condoms, baby oil, a DVD called How to Be a Player, and sex toys. And him and the camera guy said, go in the drawer right here on the left of the bed. And there is objects in there that we want you to touch yourself with. But I kind of just went with it because now I felt pressured. I used the objects and I, I touched myself with them. Some of these details might sound familiar to you. Someone is finding themselves on a bed in front of a camera with a sex toy. They don't want to be there. They feel intimidated. But in this story, things are alleged to escalate even further. I didn't give my consent that night and he totally raped me. And then he got off of me like I was garbage. Although Janelle took her story public, both in this testimony and to LA Times reporter Claire Hoffman, she never took any legal action that we could find. It's not uncommon in cases of sexual assault and rape. But Joe denies the allegation. Still, it's not the only allegation against him. He's been accused of domestic violence against the mother of his children, who left Mexico for the United States. He denies this. And Joe? He's believed to still be in Mexico, where he has an amazing home, almost like a resort, called Casa Aramara, 
its white sand beaches, palm trees waving in the breeze, jacuzzis, and pools. It seems like a honeypot hotel for his celeb friends, has long been a favorite with the Kardashians. In 2021, the Casa Aramara Instagram account posted a picture of Kim Kardashian enjoying the tennis court. Kourtney Kardashian once even wrote in the Webb guest book, I have never been to any other place in the world that is as peaceful, private, safe, and relaxing. Except Joe is still down there being Joe. While I was working on this story, I wrote him on Instagram to ask for an interview with a list of questions. He wrote back that he categorically denied everything I had asked. Then he said he considered just the asking of the questions, harassment, and in violation of Instagram's policies. He said that if I wrote him again, he would have me banned from Instagram. I wasn't surprised Joe didn't want to talk to me. He shut a lot of doors in his life. At the end of his message, he wrote with an exclamation point, Goodbye, Vanessa. Goodbye, Joe. Infamous, which continues next week, is a production of Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment. It's created, executive produced, and hosted by me, Vanessa Gregoriadis, and Gabriel Sherman. Shoshish Molovitz is our managing producer and editor. Rajiv Gola is our senior producer. And Lily Houston-Smith, Garrett Graham, and Grace Heerman are our associate producers. This episode of Boy Gone Wild was written for audio by Natalie Robomed and me. It was sound designed by Alistair Sherman, mixed by David Devereaux, and recorded by Ewan Bly Tremuin. John Daly is the voice of Joe Francis. Campside Media's executive producers are Josh Dean, Adam Hoff, Matt Scher. Thanks to PJ Vote and to Campside's operations team, Doug Slaywin, Aaliyah Papes, and Destiny Dingle. If you're enjoying learning about Girls Gone Wild, please rate and review the show. It is so helpful. See you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.